Hey everyone, welcome to episode 48 of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. On today's episode, we have Michael Laskoff, the founder and former CEO of Able To. Let's not waste any time. Let's bring him on. Michael, thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. Jared, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, we are we're very happy to have you on the podcast. This is started talking, I think, not too long ago, and uh, it means a lot having you on. I would love if you could just kind of kick things off by telling the audience a little bit about yourself, and then we can get started. Sure. Um, my name is Michael Laskoff, and I'm probably best known in the healthcare space for founding a company called Able To in the um, telebehavioral health space, which is uh, pretty significant in size now and uh, reaches many thousands of people on a weekly basis. Um, I started the company in 2008 and actually ran it until 2015, at which point I handed over. Um, uh, today, uh, the company's run by a gentleman named uh, Trip Hofer, who's doing just a fantastic job. and the whole company has just really risen to the challenge of meeting uh, the extra chat. Well, I should say the extra challenges presented by COVID and making sure that many of the people who wouldn't otherwise get help are getting help today. Yeah. And it's, it's certainly been, I mean, what, what you created was important, you know, from the start, I feel like it's even, just so 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 crucial right now given the time that we're in with with COVID-19. Well it feels like uh, it took a it's been neat watching things sort of develop over the past several years. When I started the company in 2008 and I should people always frankly ask well what was the the impetus and it was um, uh, a couple of years before then at the tender age of 37 I found out that I had ADHD and was looking for appropriate treatment options that were evidence-based and started realizing that the what I was looking for didn't exist. There were uh, the right sort of clinical pieces, but access was a problem and quality was a problem. And uh, it occurred to me that you could use the tools of telehealth to bring best practices to everybody. And that was very much how uh, Able to got started. And if you'd asked me, I don't know, uh, in the first two or three years when the moment that we're having right now was going to occur, I would have said, I don't know, uh, maybe 2012, something of that nature. So I'm a little surprised it's taken this long, but I'm glad we're finally here. Now, I would love to hear a little bit about, you know, how your career started off and then how that, I guess, led to able to. Great. Um, you know, I would say, Typically classic, I went to Harvard Business School, so no clinical background. Um, I had about a bunch of, I had a bunch of jobs, so many in fact, that I actually ended up writing a book that was published in 2004 on job searching. Um, not self-published, a real published book, because uh, I had so much experience. That was a result of the ADHD. And um, after I'd written the book, I realized that uh, everybody wanted to meet me because I was an interesting candidate, but nobody wanted to hire me anymore. That actually led to my first business, which was a uh, branded marketing innovation consultancy with a couple of partners. And it was in the process of that that I am 
came to the accidental realization that I have ADHD. Um, I was diagnosed, uh, I would almost say by accident, got it confirmed, and then over, and then became really sort of fascinated with why there were all of these great evidence-based approaches to treating people with behavioral health issues that weren't being used, and that led about a year and a half later to starting able to. Wow. Okay. So your your personal experience helped lead into starting able to. That's interesting. That that happens. That it seems so common too, in uh, in the entrepreneur community, right? Like you have a personal experience, it affects you in some way, and then you you go out and start this business. Um, yeah. Very cool. Okay. I think even more in behavioral health, where it's usually, um, you know, since then I've um, I had a business that frankly did not work out um, in um, the alcohol use disorder space. And uh, it was very odd when I was uh, raising money for that, when people said, well, does that mean you've had a heavy drinking problem? And I said, no, in this case, I don't actually have a personal connection. I just see a, an opportunity to help people. But in almost every case, when you meet behavioral health entrepreneurs, there is either uh, it's the individual themselves or a loved one or someone they were close to. And that's why people start. And without that, we wouldn't have the sort of like outside energy that helps uh, drive change in healthcare. Okay. Now that makes sense. Uh, now, how, when, when someone looks at your background, you know, they, they see that obviously you're the founder and, and former CEO of Able To, but right now, currently, it looks like you're, an advisor for multiple companies. How are you managing your time today? Uh, well, today it's um, actually really an interesting time. I'm spending a lot of time trying to, uh, I sit on some boards, I do some advisory and consulting work. And a lot of that's been exciting because even just prior to COVID, I think there has been this just like enhanced interest in the behavioral side. So we're at the point where companies like Teladoc and MD Live and Doctors on Demand and American Well, they've kind of proven that there are basic telehealth models that are already working. And there's an increasing sort of interest or there had been an increasing interest in behavioral. And then boom, COVID happens and everybody is trying to um, uh, pour um, energy and resource into this space. And so how I've been spending a lot of my time recently is as I've gotten to speak to an awful lot of people, is trying to determine who's actually serious about doing something that has sort of lasting value versus people or versus some organizations that have a very sort of short-sighted, let's call it um, opportunistic approach to um, behavioral health that's been brought forward by COVID. It's not that all of those companies are bad. It's just that many of them are, there's a big difference between trying to exploit um, uh, what's going on currently because you uh, as an accelerant and just taking advantage of something that presents a short-term business opportunity. That was pretty long-winded to say that trying to determine who's serious about trying to help in the behavioral health space versus who's trying to make a quick buck. Yeah, who's who's riding the bandwagon? <laughs> um, yeah, the, the COVID bandwagon. Okay, no, that's great. It's um, it, it's great to hear that you're you're doing that too because I mean, I've been seeing advertisements for investments that are COVID related, or it's like, it seems like a lot of companies, not even just in healthcare, are um, 
they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot because I, I read a quote, I forget who said it recently. I mean, companies in, in this COVID period that we're in, the what they do, like their actions are gonna be very crucial for the state of the company moving forward because of the fact that, I mean, this is a very sensitive issue. Um, we shouldn't be being all salesy. We shouldn't be trying to like, as you said, profit off of it in, in a way that's not going beyond this, like we're building a lasting business, um, not just a quick buck. So um, no, I, I agree exactly with what you said. Yeah. And in fact, I'll be honest, I think I'm, for the people who are doing things that are, um, the, the people who are doing things that are genuinely selfless right now to help very often are the are individuals and companies that you will never hear about because they're too busy trying to do the right thing rather than promote doing the right promote themselves for having done the right thing and i have a just a really high degree of pride and um as a new yorker i have a particular degree of pride of like where you've seen a lot of that going on locally but it's going on everywhere and at the same time, there are a variety of companies that are trying to jump into, for example, the telehealth space to exploit COVID, but the conditions that they're trying to exploit by the time they're up and actually functioning won't exist anymore. So it's not to say that COVID is going away, but I'd say that the smart companies who are thinking about COVID and telehealth, if they're just getting in at this point, are sort of thinking about the second wave problems. They're thinking about what's going to happen in fall. They're thinking about what's going to happen over the next couple of years before there's um, uh, before there's a vaccination, and how they're going to help and be part of that. And there's some really interesting stuff going on in those spaces. Is there any companies that really excite you that meet that meet that criteria that you're talking about that are creating something long lasting that, that you're excited about today and that are willing to share or, and I don't want to be too pushy either if there's companies out there that you really like and don't want to mention, but I just figured I'd ask. Um, it's a fair question. Of course, I'm excited about able to, and one of the things that able to has been able to do by virtue of actually having a large and high quality and managed network has been able to push into some areas where they weren't previously. And, um, I'm sure that there are other companies that are um, uh, doing that are doing the same sorts of thing. But where I think things get really interesting is if you look at the uh, you look at the, the 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 quite shockingly early results coming out of New York City, New York State. What we're seeing is super high correlations between death and obesity, diabetes, things of that nature. And so I think where you're going to see a lot of opportunities are those companies who say that prior to, um, we may not be able to uh, prevent COVID or cure it, but we can attack the, um, the, the risk factors that are making uh, people much more vulnerable. So things like obesity in particular, you can imagine there are a ton of companies that are um, Companies like Omana and Lavongo, but an awful lot of others that are um, uh, that are going to like work on those sorts of things. Yeah, there are also companies, and um, like I'm on the board of a company called uh, Wealth, which does medication adherence. It becomes incredibly more important to get, for example, diabetics to take their medication because these are the sorts of things that you can do. Like if you want to do something to get ready for fall, um, yes. Um, 
deal with your behavioral health issues, but also use this as an opportunity to get healthier because that will maximize the likelihood that um, uh, if you get sick in the fall, that telehealth will be a viable opportunity to treat you rather than having to bring you into a much higher risk environment. Interesting. Okay. What's, what do you kind of see as next for you at this point in your career? I are you, do you, are you going to get back into, do you think you'll start another company? Is that in, on the horizon or, um, are you really just enjoying being an advisor and really working with and helping grow some really interesting companies? I have, I have to say that, um, so I'm um, an entrepreneur in residence at Wild Cornell Medicine, and I've, um, which I've really enjoyed because there's a lot of great science in the medical community that frankly isn't making its way into the business realm yet. And that's been a great deal of fun. And I very much enjoy working with, um, with young entrepreneurs who have good ideas, who are willing to make the sacrifices to like change something in healthcare. So I always thought of myself as being sort of um, mission driven. The joke would be, you know, left-wing capitalist. I believe in capitalism, but I also believe in leaving the joint better than I found it. So at this point, I've actually, I'm enjoying that sort of um, board and advisor role so much that I'm not in a particular hurry to go back and start from scratch, but that's because I've done it twice in the past 10 years, once successfully, once not successfully. And um, uh, as uh, Jared, I think you would admit, um, entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. And you do have to ask yourself how many times you want to start it from, you want to start from scratch. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is my first kind of journey in the entrepreneur kind of space. And uh, it's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I've learned way more than I would have ever learned, you know, potentially doing something else. And, um, but, but I completely agree with you. It is not for, uh, you, you need to be very, very into it 100%. Oh, I forget who said it. It might have been Steve Jobs or someone else. But like, if you're not passionate about it, you won't make it <laughs> because it, there's some days that it, it beats you down good, right? And you have to really kind of push through and um, figure out the solution to uh, some of these challenges and, and move forward. Yeah, it's funny. The um, I, It's like in the spirit of a joke and not quite a joke, but uh, the difference is, you know, what's the difference between having visions and being a visionary in healthcare? And the only answer I can come up with is success. So in the beginning, you start out by seeing something that no one else sees. If they did, they would be doing it. And you, um, you have to validate and prove it. And I think in healthcare, it's particularly difficult because everything, you know, it's always easy to point to a unicorn that pops up every now and again, like one in 10,000 companies. But for most companies that are successful, the average... Uh, the average exit, I think, at this point for um, venture-backed healthcare companies, for example, is about 10 years. It's a long time. So everyone thinks that they'll be different, and yet almost everyone ends up taking that long. And there are a bunch of reasons for that in healthcare, the long sales cycles, the complexity, the importance of really getting it right, increasingly, uh, and the demand that you provide real evidence that what you're doing works, which is 
you know, part and parcel of why this is such an exciting time to be thinking about starting a healthcare company or to be building one. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, what, what's your, I'm trying to think here. Um, this is, by the way, Michael, this is the first podcast, I'll tell the audience right now, that I have ever done without one cup of coffee. So I am, <laughs> I am, I, it's like I'm a whole different person right now. Um, so that I, I need to have, you know, one or two cups after I, I get off of this with you. But, um, well, You're doing one great. of the things I want. <laughs> Thanks. Um, what is your, what is your involvement with Able to today? Are you completely um, away from the company or do you still keep touch with uh, the current CEO and the team over there? I would say friend of the firm, um, uh, deeply uh, vested interest um, for all kinds of reasons. I'm super impressed with the um, uh, with the current team. And uh, again, Tripover is just a fantastic CEO and he's done a really good job of um, not only building and improving the original vision of the company, but making sure that as many people nationally have access as, as possible. So. Um, our sort of anchor that we that um, had a lot to do with the success of um, Able to's growth was Aetna, but now you can look at Aetna, Optum, and a, you know a bunch of blue plans. And the result is none of these solutions matter unless individuals can get access to them. And in, uh, and frankly, what's exciting about the way that Able to has done it is it's done for the most part in a way that is you know basically covered by health plans and that for individuals says uh, for individuals who need behavioral health said they don't have to think about the money they can focus on getting the help that they need to get better and that we have such a long we, we made such good strides in that space in behavioral care but we have such a long way to go and i have real pride in looking and saying well able to has traditionally and continues to set the standard for what quality assured care needs to look like so it's not just about reaching everybody but it's really continues to be about making sure that they're getting effective measurable care and measurable means that you can do things like look at depression anxiety and stress and say this is where it was beforehand this is where it was at the end of the program and you can look six months later and see how the individuals are doing well i i I think we should end on that phrase right there. <laughs> that was a great, um, that was a great breakdown of, of your current relationship and the great things that they're doing over at Able to. Um, I'll continue to be a fan uh, and continue to track the progress of the company. I, I know our listeners will as well. I'm sure many of our listeners have actually used the platform um, in some capacity as well. And um, I, again, Michael, thank you so much for coming on as a guest. It, it really means a lot, uh, especially you know during the times that we're in to be able to speak with you, learn more about your background and able to and kind of what you're working on today. Great. Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed it. And um, I hope everyone who's listening uh, is fortunate enough to enjoy good health right now. Thanks so much, Michael. Well, be well, and um, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Hey everyone, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Block Health. Block Health is unlocking healthcare professional data, making it easily shareable. They want to make life easier for healthcare professionals and organizations so that they can focus on tasks like providing the best care possible to patients. Block Health leverages their smart universal common application and blockchain technology to streamline many of the tasks that healthcare professionals and organizations must engage in like primary source verification, provider enrollment, state licensing, state license renewals, DEA registration, DEA renewals, and much more. They do all of this through their easy to use platform. If you would like to learn more about Block Health, please check out their website at www.blochealth.com. Thanks. Thank you to everyone that listened to this week's episode of the Slice of Healthcare podcast. If you'd like to check out more of our podcast, we're available on all the major podcast channels. And you can check us out on our website, www.sliceofhealthcare.com. And that'll have all of our past guests on there. Uh, you can see our sponsors and you can learn more about actually becoming a guest. Thanks and look forward to another episode next week.